From Bureaucracy's Basement to your ears, this is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Each week, the dedicated staff of the Bureau meet to file recommendations, make reports, and survive on water that drips from the boiler pipes in the back room into their open mouths as they sleep on a bed of dot matrix printer paper. Maybe one day we'll escape from that subterranean basement, but until that day comes, the city is not going to improve itself. So, here we stay. Improving things. This meeting is now in session. Hello. Oh, gre- hello. Greetings, as they say. How goes the social distancing today? Pretty good. I've been uh, I've been getting into TikTok. So, so I don't feel so alone. Yeah. So are you just watching other people's ticks and talks, or are you ticking and talking yourself? Uh, other people? Sorry, I, sorry, I just thought it was uh, shorthand for looking at a clock. Um, no, actually, it's, uh, it's a thing on the internet that people are doing. Hmm. Well, whatever I'm doing is probably cooler. Uh, can I ask what you're doing? Yeah, I'm doing, uh, I'm doing my TikTok dance. Okay. Like, I've got my short arm, and I've got my long arm. Not mm-hmm. many people know I have one short arm and one long arm and two regular arms, but that's another story. Uh, and I, I sort of, you know, I mimic the time passing. Oh, okay. That's a great thing to do with all mm-hmm. the time passing that is passing us by. Exactly. And I figure, you know, just, uh, you know, I notice that time keeps moving forward in this petty pace, creeping from day to day, as our friend Macbeth once said. And I thought, I'm going to get on board. I'm not going to rage against it. I'm just going to be like, yeah, you do your thing time and I'll dance to it. Nice. Nice. It's so you're a, dancing to the beat of the cosmos. I'm dancing to the music of time. I don't know that the young people on the internet TikTok would, uh, would be down with this, though, I'm afraid. So they would think it was more cringe than based is what I'm, what I'm hearing. I think so. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, based? Yeah, that's the opposite of cringe. It's, it's, I think it's meant to evoke like grounded, like it, it, it's, oh. it's, a, it's a it's a semantic cousin of, of grounded. It's based. So if you hear somebody saying based or see it said on, on the Internet, that's that's a compliment. So sorry, but that is not feed based. the leopard, please feed the leopard. Leopard is cringe. <laughs> Once I was leopard pilled, but now. I, I'm not. So you were saying based with a D, not based, like with a turkey based. No, well, yeah, no, yeah, with a D. Yeah. Uh, okay, that makes more sense. A base. Yeah. I wonder if uh, the people who use based know that Al-Qaeda means base, and so therefore, are they saying that Al-Qaeda is based? They probably don't know that. Huh. And turkey is based. <laughs> turkey is based. It is quite true. Yes. Yeah. Based All potatoes. Right. What? Should we do it in t- attendance? Oh, sure, sure. Um, disappointingly, uh, my attendance seems to be coherent today. What? Yeah. I don't know if I can stand for this. Uh, well, I mean, if I recall, you're pale to shoom? Yeah, uh, no. Pale to shoom? Pale to shoom. Pale to shoom, no. Like, well, isn't it a shoom to shoom movie? No. Yeah. No, you're not? No. Oh, I thought I could get your autograph or something. Yeah, I'm not that cool. Oh. Well, okay, but well, your name then? Paul DeShane. Sorry, I was misreading it. Um, That's fair. I'm, uh, I'm Abram Morgan. All right, cool. 
Avram. That's actually a really good name. It isn't bad, is it? Your name, your name is Aiden, but I, if you had the opportunity, I would change it to Avram in a second. Um, me too. Maybe I should yeah. do that from now on. Yeah. Considering Aiden is, is no longer as cool as it once was. Yeah. Avram is a very basted name. Mm-hmm. Extremely basted, like a turkey. Yep. Not, not at all cringe. Not in the slightest. Nope. Anywho, uh, where, where are we here? Right. So I guess we're both here. We are. Uh, do we have quorum? We do not. I'm sorry. Should we continue regardless? We should. Cool. We should. You know, one, one reason we should continue is to satisfy our sponsors. We have sponsors? We do. Oh, tell me about them. Um, they are, they are, they are swell people. They're, they're very based. Uh, and they're the uh, Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District. Not cringe in the slightest. Nope. Full on based. Yeah. I'm, I'm warehouse pilled. Yeah. 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 All the good work that they do to keep our warehouse district warehousey mm-hmm. and, and vibrant, a lively neighborhood, the warehouse district. Exceedingly. And these are difficult times, but with, mm-hmm. you know, um, pandemic and the bad weather uh, and incompetence everywhere they turn. But yeah. they keep it going. We should have them on soon because with uh, the Warehouse Business Improvement District alongside the Regina Downtown Business Improvement District and Real mm-hmm. and the city of Regina, uh, they're putting together that that their Frost Festival that's oh, coming up right. in a couple of weeks. February 1st, 15th is Regina Frost. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. Apparently, they've got uh, bands like Big Wreck playing. Is that a joke? Is this a bit? No. I don't know. No, no, no. The, the, no. There's literally a band called Big Wreck playing. Okay. I just I saw that on like a commercial. Okay. I don't know who Big Wreck is, so I don't know. That's where music is for me now. I don't know if this music is real or a bit. Nope. Uh, I mean, some. I mean, I know what it's like when culture starts to seem like a bit, like yeah. by by like a cruel friend, um, just waiting to set you up. Uh, yeah. But no, no, Big Wreck is actually a real band. Uh, I think they're a Regina band. Like they're a hard rock uh, okay. group. They've been around for a while. I'm just taking a look at what they've got going on. They've got like the Iceville is going to be going. There'll be a marketplace in the Viterra International Trade Center. This is all just on the first day, February 4th, the first day of activities. There will be a snow maze, an ice slide, ice sculptures. Ooh, the first Saturday, uh, a s'mores giveaway downtown. Sweet. Yeah. Did I mention that uh, Iceville, the skating at the uh, Mosaic Stadium will be going? It will be. So there's going to be awesome. Oh, and a matinee performance of Frozen. Because if like me, and you've been going around and talking to people about the Frozen Festival that's coming up because you screwed up the name, <laughs> know that it's called Frost, but Frozen will be playing on the Saturday at uh, Regina Public Library, 3 p.m. downtown. Yeah, I, c- I can't wait to see uh, Mrs. Frozen in concert. Mm-hmm. So that is that is coming up very soon. Enjoy. I, I already am. Regina's newest festival. That is one. That is a that is unquestionably good thing. Yeah. In a time of of unquestionably terrible things, I like I like this notion very much. All right. So what is on the agenda? Top item. Uh, I believe I believe the top item for today's agenda is a discussion of uh, and this is weird because I could swear we've discussed this before. Uh, we're going to be talking about laneway suites. Jesus, are you sure you didn't grab an agenda from like 2015? <laughs> nope. 
<laughs> I mean, often I do, but uh, this time I didn't have to. Ugh. Oh, my God. I can't believe we're back here again. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Hey, there's a whole freaking page on the city's website devoted to they're calling them backyard suites now. Right. So that if you've been if you've been like outraged over laneway suites and have been paying close attention to the laneway suites debate, they're doing like the switch now where they've <sighs> changed the name to backyard suites and that none of the people who despise laneway suites or the laneway suite stands, <laughs> they won't know anything about it because they're now called backyard suites. Huh. Um, yeah, also known as garden suites, apparently. Right. Yeah. Uh, which is, which is kind of a nice, uh, nice way of saying it. Yeah. Uh, I like uh, some garden suites, backyard suites. You got to get that word yard in there because I think yeah. in order to like coherently think about dwellings mm-hmm. in this city, the word yard has to be there or implied that you will have like a yard for your children to play on. And to have barbecues and to wave at at other people as they go by, as is like some kind of weird God-given right. Do you remember uh, when the zoning bylaw was being considered and R1 zoning was being considered to be expanded into uh, neighborhood zoning so that you could have in neighborhoods that had exclusively been single family dwellings on a single lot, you could, if you had bought a lot, you could build a duplex on it if you wanted. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and the neighborhood freaked out and they were like, absolutely not. We must have, our, we must preserve our R1 zoning. And uh, yeah, so then this happened. And I'm just going to play a clip from that meeting. Here we go. Where we live, every home is a single detached home. I've lived on that same block and same house for 38 years. Uh, it's, it's not a high traffic area. It's not a dense area in terms of accommodation. So people take care of their properties. I don't want to be pounded by duplexes and semi-detached and neighbors that would add granny shacks on the back and bring in other families. I don't want that. So. Classic. Pounded. Classic. I, I forgot. Pounded by duplexes. I think, yeah. I think that guy has been reading too many Chuck Tingle novels, yes. frankly. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, it's, it's been a while since I've heard that clip because yeah. you do like to play that clip. I do. So often. Uh, and make it a ringtone. Um, but all I remembered from it was the, the phrase, for obvious reasons, pounded by duplexes. But I, I forgot that he's, he went on about granny shacks and neighbors who, like, who are other people. Yeah. yeah. Who are these <laughs> other people? Like the imagination sort of like staggers at the notion of these other people, these yeah. shadowy other people creeping yeah. around, people living people. nearby. Yeah. No, I mean, when you live in a detached house for 38 years, uh, and then your your sensibilities become detached from your basic humanity, and you don't want other people. Yeah. So, you know, I understand. Like, suddenly your identity gets tied up in in not having these other people too close to you, and anything that threatens that. Oh, my God. So, yeah, this is going to happen again. We're going to get, I'm for sure, the people who who managed to like to thwart duplexes being added to their neighborhoods are going to be livid when they find out that they're going to, there's granny shacks are coming. They're going to be violated them. by backyard suites. Their backyards are going to be violated, Paul. Yeah. And it's sad because, you know, they actually did a pilot project on this where uh, a bunch of neighborhoods had, 
you know, were allowed to have these and houses were built with backyard suites. And they've got some pity, uh, pities, pictures of these laneway suites and they're lovely. So, you know, they're like, they're laneway garages with suites over top, little balconies. Everything's very tidy and nice. And it creates all this extra housing in parts of the city that are frankly not very dense. So they also, what do they have here? So they've posted to uh, Be Heard Regina. There is like a, uh, there's a consultation page for this. It just basically lays out the information about what's coming. Uh, and there are some, uh, proposed regulations in there. They they don't have a survey this time. I don't know. Maybe they caught wind of the fact that their last survey was kind of a piece of garbage. And uh, they just have like an email address. So you can just, if you have any thoughts on backyard suites, laneway suites, granny shacks, or garden suites, you can email the dude at City Hall who's running this consultation. Uh, I think, you know, the only things like this, there's a lot of detailed information about how far back these things have to be from the alleyway or the street or sidewalk, or whatever. Um, a lot of things about like how tall the building can be, how many suites can be in there um, for services. You have to be able to hook Like it has to be hooked up to electricity, gas, and water. So it has to have a full set of its own utilities and those have to extend off from the main dwelling. You can't like, so you're not going to be getting like trenches running out to the main line and getting like its own like separate line. It's going to be part of the whole lot's services. If I'm reading this all right, we're, we're in a situation where currently secondary suites are already allowed. So if you own a house and you want to rent out your basement or you want to rent out a room in your house, you can do that. Right. Um, and that's that's allowed across the city. So when they say, uh, where will these granny shacks be? God, I mean, calling them that now. Uh, where are these backyard suites going to be? Uh, it's anywhere that secondary suites are allowed, which is pretty much, I think, every single residential zone in the city. So this, I think that's, you know, once that, once, once all the people of Regina listen to this show and learn what's going on, there's going to be some outrage. There will be outrage. And I think there, there already is outrage, Paul. Is there? Um, well, yeah, we're already getting uh, what I can only characterize as horror stories coming in about no. about our about these backyard suites. Oh dear. Yeah. Oh dear. And, yeah, I mean, and uh, I actually received one today from uh, from a very upset Jana resident. Uh, his name is Ed Graham Powachuk. Uh, I can I can read the uh, the letter to you if you like. Oh, I would like that. Um, do you want me to cue up some spooky music since this is a horror story? You know, I kind of do. Okay. I will add it in post. Okay. 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 So this is the backyard suite. <clears throat> Dear QCIB, once upon a Sunday boring, as I checked the rentals, poring over many a dull and costly listing on Kijiji.ca, as I bookmarked barely sentient, suddenly there came a mention advertising a new rental posted just that day. Just a scam, I faintly muttered, popping up on my browser just this day. I paused instead, to my dismay. Though I longed for ensuite laundry, I was stuck inside its quandary. Should I click upon that listing on kijiji.ca? Eagerly, I longed for parking in a stall with fluorescent marking in a basement that scarce sees the light of day. I longed to wield a keycard that would let me slip the light of day and in the dark, my car would stay. But the terms of this new rental seemed positively to be mental that I scarcely could believe this was Kijiji.ca. The parking was street only and the regulations showed me that I'd need a city permit to keep my Civic there all day. The indignity of putting 
my Honda Civic on display. Who thought of this? I cannot say. Then I noticed that the suite required a flight of steps to meet the so-called entrance to this rental on Kijiji.ca. My stoles began to ache, my thighs began to quake as I pondered all the effort of climbing to my door at end of day, of walking from my streetside Honda to my laneway suite each day. I'm certain that my skin turned gray. And as I pictured my daily sally from suite or street into an alley where I'd have to brave my safety and risk my life each day, so much effort for such dangers I'd face from lurking strangers that I resolved to buy a dwelling with its own garage that day, a mansion up in Sherwood Park, an hour's drive each way, with a giant yard for me to play. Oh yes, I thought, now that's the way. That's EA Poucher. Wow, that's uh, that's a terrifying story. It was pretty terrifying. I'm glad. Yeah. I mean, there was a light at the end of the tunnel. He decided yeah. not to get into the, the whole granny shack business and get himself a McMansion yeah. uh, in, a, in, a, in a nearby RM. Yeah. Wow. That was freaking amazing. <laughs> I, will, I will tell you that we uh, we started to talk about laneway suites earlier this, this day, and uh, I, I, I had very little time in which to, uh, to receive that letter, as it were. So. <laughs> well, it's phenomenal. Uh, hats off to Mr. Pochuk. That uh, yes. uh, congratulations, sir. I think I think he's got a future in in Gothic nineteenth century angst. Well, and uh, his his contributions are always welcome at the QCIB. <laughs> Holy crap, that was fantastic! Oof. All right. Well, you know, if that's not enough to scare people off, like <laughs> great work, Mr. Pochuk. All <laughs> over now. That's right. Yeah, I think I think if I, I I hesitate to bring that to council because if they heard that, they would definitely vote yeah. against like any any hint of. They would be so afraid of being pounded by duplexes that they would that they would just run in fear. Yeah, and all this work would have to get will have to get torn up and thrown in the mm-hmm. trash. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, there is a timeline of uh, these uh, of the backyard suite project. So the first pilot was in 2013. The second pilot project was 2014. A third was in 2016. And uh, man, that's a long time to go from saying, let's do laneway suites. And now here we are. So that's what, nine years later. Did I do the math right? Yeah, you did. I am flabbergasted. It has taken us nine years to go from the initial pilot to having some draft regulations. Holy crap. No wonder we get so much done around here. We must look like... Yes, I think stars that's actually, in the QCIB. I think that's actually why we were so ignored and and you know vilified right. uh, by the rest of City Hall because we get so much done, like yeah. on a weekly basis. We come up with like like just solid plans for yep. for this year's city. One hundred percent. We've got all the plans. Implementation not our strongest suit. Well, you know we need we need the support for the implementation. That's true. That's true. We have very little of that. Plus, plus our devices require like way too much power, and they tend to like cause fires and other problems. So we have, we're, yeah, we're always putting out fires down in the QCIB. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we get anything done. All right. Okay. Well, that's laneway suites. Finally, hopefully, this means that before the end of March, these might end up at council. Uh, if you're a person who likes the idea of laneway suites, or even if you don't, you should go to Be Heard Virginia check out the consultation, send in your thoughts. 
and get involved because um, whatever happens in the end, if you didn't like send in like a letter to the city to say how you felt, um, it's, it'll be too late once once the once the granny shacks are coming to your back. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just pounding you in your backyard. Terrible. Yeah. Beyond that, uh, there is not a lot yet going on at City Hall. It's it's still fairly quiet. Uh, we have our first council meeting of the year. So we're recording this on a Tuesday. And the first council meeting of the year is tomorrow, the Wednesday. And um, there, and again, you know, these are not like tremendously long agendas yet uh, at council. We've got, um, oop, yeah, if I could. Yeah. So there's like some distra- discretionary use of uh, applications. Uh, there's some committee reports. Uh, the big thing, though, is Councillor is a Kidney Act food security motion is coming up uh, on Wednesday. Uh, so this this is a motion about uh, backyard, uh, well, about um, uh, community gardens, really, and fruit trees and permaculture and all of this, like, all this farming fascism that we get that is inflicted on us every now and then people who are like food security is all about you learning how to like get your hands into the dirt and grow your own zucchini, zucchini and radishes. The only two things that can be grown to any size in Regina soil. So if you like zucchini and radishes, you're golden. If you feel that, you know, you might need some other sustenance in a year, you're SOL, but um, food security for me is a decent all-night pizza joint. Get me that. I will feel yep. much more secure. Get me those. Get me those tater tots from Taco Bell. Yeah. Um. What else is coming up? Oh, I thought we were getting is this the right meeting. Am I looking at the wrong meeting? No, January nineteenth. Uh, there's also a school zone playground zone regulations motion coming from Councillor Mancinelli. Uh, he wants to currently the school zone regulation is that from seven a.m. to seven p.m. every day, uh, a school zone is declared by a school and around playgrounds, and you have to go thirty kilometers per hour through those zones. Uh, it was very somewhat controversial, anyways, uh, to change it from I think it was forty kilometers, and the times were like shorter. Um, Mancinelli just wants to shift that to 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. This was something he said at the time when it was originally being passed. He thought 7 a.m. was way too early, that nobody's going to school at 7 a.m. except maybe teachers. Uh, There's nobody on playgrounds that early in the morning, whereas 8 8, 8 p.m., you could still have kids hanging out in the school ground. So he wants to see everything shifted an hour later, which, um, you know, there's arguments on both sides. Uh, He's going to make his case for that on Wednesday. Um. Yeah. So that's about it. Uh, big exciting things. I imagine so. Uh, do we have Do we have any innovative revenue tools? You know what? I got nothing. Nothing. No. No. Sorry. No way for the city to make a dime. No. No. It's too cold. It's it too is cold to make money. Too cold for money. Too co- too cold. Too much disease for money. <laughs> that's right. Can't even make an NFT out of that stuff. No, sir. So yeah, that's about it. And uh, that's kind of it for the meeting, because in the second half of our meeting, I actually uh, had a chance to meet with Councillor O'Donnell, former Councillor O'Donnell. And uh, he is he's retired from council. And uh, when he was on when he was a councillor, he was one of the chief champions of the official community plan design Regina. And one of the sort of like centerpieces of 
design Regina is this notion of uh, a walkable city, a dense city, uh, use the resources, uh, the infrastructure that we've built to its fullest capacity and um, make complete communities. That leads to an efficient city and a healthy city, and it reduces our carbon footprint. There's a lot of advantages to building, building up, building dense. And um, he would say that, you know, like it or not, density is coming. It's something we're going to be doing. So we need to have the policies in place to, to, uh, to support that goal. But right now, city council is starting to question the wisdom of the uh, official communities plans density targets, specifically the um, 50 people per hectare for new neighborhoods that's in the official community plan. Uh, Councillor Brashani and Hawkins have a uh, had a motion to like ask if we should be loosening those guidelines so that more diverse housing types can be built. And they're not talking about building more rental for people who need rental. But they're talking about building more big houses on big lots. They want more prestige, yeah. expensive housing uh, because evidently some developers perhaps are feeling like their hands are tied with the current rules. So that motion has led to that survey that we talked about the last meeting. And it looks like we're going to be getting a report in the next few months that will have some recommendations around what to do with the density targets in the OCP. Because as administration likes to say, the OCP is a living document. And <laughs> this uh, this phrase has been used to justify just basically ripping and shredding the, the official community plan to pieces. So it will be interesting to see what comes out of that. But I thought seeing as all of this is going on with the current council and there doesn't seem to be this, uh, you know, great speaking on the subject of density that I would go back to Councillor O'Donnell, who was a good speaker on this subject and ask him what he thought. So, yeah. So for our second half, that's what we'll be doing is talking to Councillor O'Donnell. That's great. Yeah. And maybe we can turn that into an NFT and make some money off it as an innovative revenue tool. Mint some coin. Yes. Yes. All right. So on that note, we should probably go to the pre-recorded Innovative Revenue Tools. The Queen City Improvement Bureau would like to acknowledge the Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District for their support of our show. The Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District. Improving the district where there are warehouses in Regina. Here's our interview with Mike O'Donnell, Councillor for Ward 8 from 2006 to 2020. So uh, let me let me kind of do a preamble first. So if I go back to the official community plan, one of the things I really liked about it was the public engagement. I would tell you that in my time on council, uh, that was the very best public engagement by numbers, by by volume by a personal touch, by all of the things that you would want from a public engagement. So when the document came out and summarized all of those things, I thought it really did reflect what the community wanted. To me, that was really valid. And so I would, I would suggest on a, on a general note, any new council will look at any previous decisions. I get that. That's just, uh, that's normal life. Mm-hmm. But in this case, I would want them to be very respectful 
of, of that public engagement and how that came about and what the end result was. I think it reflected the city. And so therefore not a neighborhood complaint or something like that. So I, I want to make that kind of as a foundation piece. Yeah. Early on uh, in those discussions about official community plan, there was this notion, I would say, while relevant in many other places, was developing in Regina. And it was this thing about sustainability. We, we are, we're behind and all that kind of stuff. And so when you talk about uh, density, you talk about sustainability, and then you can throw in other words, affordability and all sorts of other things like that. So that's where that, that was my mindset at the time. Um, now I'm going to give you the downside to, to that. Once you introduce the word density, especially I'm going to say in the prairies, because I don't think it's just Regina, you start to hear things about um, parking. You start to hear things about property values. You start to hear things about um, traffic. And by the way, it's not foot traffic or bike traffic, it's vehicle traffic. And so those are tied in there and that's, you can't let those go, I guess, in this world. Mm -hmm. There's my start. You hinted at this here, the whole notion of the infrastructure deficit. And that was, that was something that was being talked about a lot. And there was the concern about how do we keep property taxes low, but how do we address the infrastructure deficit? And this notion of a more compact, more, um, more densely populated city uh, alleviated some of that pressure on building infrastructure and would be one, one, of the, one of the modes out of the infrastructure deficit that we faced. And you were one of the people who was like very, very much pushing that idea that if we can't fix our, the revenue side, we have to look at our costs and density is the way to do that. Um, do you still hold that position? Yeah, I think, I think it's one of the solutions. Out of that official community plan and those discussions, there was an, another notion that really stuck with me, and it's about that uh, range of housing types. So as we develop a neighborhood, yep. you know, you have you have the single family home. Okay, that's pretty standard stuff here. But yep. then you can add in things like a condo, an apartment, rental situation, a row housing, and so on, so yep. that all of those amenities are close by. And you also then therefore talk about well, walkable neighborhood. Okay, so you're going out and meeting your neighbors. Good grief, that would be a wonderful way in terms of public safety. And then you have this uh, other forms or enhanced transportation modes that lead into all of that in terms of affordability. So I, I at this point, I emphasize the range of housing as being really key to that because we can see, and I I, I think, it, in fact, it's not a bad example. If you look actually at Harbor Landing, where there is, there are some large homes, there are some narrow lot homes, there are row homes. They all seem to get along, by the way, and yeah. so it, it can work. So that was a that was a, a an, an initial kind of venture in Regina at that neighborhood thing. Yeah, of course, Harbor Landing was all happening before the official community plan. Yes. Like it was it was kind of built in the days when we were thinking about these ideas, not when the plan actually existed. No, that's, and you're absolutely right. But in hindsight, looking back, they did some, uh, they did some good things, I think, there for that. Yeah. I think one of the things that's happening now, though, is that a lot of people are looking at Harbor Landing and they're focusing on the downsides. And specifically, yeah. Yeah. there are issues with the, I guess it's the pump station and some of the way that the drainage was designed. 
uh, was for a smaller density. And um, the number of schools was too small, as it turns out in the end. Uh, what do you think about that? So um, learnings, I think I would call that learnings, you know, because yeah. here in, the, in so in one of the neighborhoods I represent, it's, it's called Rosemont. It's a lovely place. Lots of people have lived there all their lives and so on. They have 50 foot frontages. That's kind of like standard three bedroom bungalow, 1,040 square foot garage in the back, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you can when you have just that as your benchmark, then you do certain things. Um, I still drive into Harbor Landing and look at some of that row housing and see that they're not for sale, that the people that have bought them are still living there. Yeah. So those things about pump stations and so on, as, an, as a really good example, I think can be corrected. The other fall, fault that I that stood out for me in Harbor Landing, and I hate to pick on it, but it, it's it's easy in terms of it, people all can see it, was that the parking signs didn't go up right away on the streets where there's only parking on one side. So of yeah. course that draws some attention to certain things, right? Right. Uh, a mistake was made, no question. But the idea of having only parking on one side or a sidewalk on one side or some of those other things that can can be cost efficient needed to be handled uh, better. So uh, little things, but all those things add up and so on. Yeah. And of course, that kind of planning for density or just planning for housing type, that was Mm -hmm. the goal of Design Regina. Yes. Yes, I think it was a big goal, actually. Maybe maybe also I'll add to that, Paul, is the notion that when there are development decisions they are to be predictable. In other words, if it's going to happen in this neighborhood where I live right here, it should be the same as it is in the neighborhood that you live in based on the same criteria and so on. Um, so whether that's, uh, you know, fair costs and all that kind of stuff that comes into that. But I think predictable is a key word here. Yeah. Um, can you comment? Like I, I was involved in the Design Regina meetings and I remember... I remember the feeling of going to those meetings and I talked about this at one point about how a lot of what I know about how you plan a city. uh, I first started thinking about those ideas with the downtown neighborhood plan consultation and the OCP consultation that it, it felt like, it felt like, I don't know, urban planning boot camp for lay folk in a lot of ways. Can you, can you talk about the, um, the way that council felt, the way that you felt when that, when, when Design Regina was completed and presented to you guys as a document? So I'm going to begin with uh, something you just said, and that's the downtown plan, because that was my first experience at that whole kind of public engagement. And mm-hmm. so there was a group of us, uh, Pat Fiaco was one of them, and a, a number of staff. We went to a place called Portland and spent three or four days there. And we we got to actually touch what downtown uh, aspirationally could be. And, of course, different concept in terms of a big, big city and all that kind of stuff. But we even met with their mayor and all sorts of things came out of there pretty pumped. I remember sitting in Knox met when we had a public uh, meeting about this and it was filled. The church was quite full and we were talking about a downtown plan. Mm-hmm. And I thought that this is kind of fun. Like no fooling. This is kind of fun. When I went to the official community plan meetings, the first thing I did is I always wanted to be at the back of the room. I didn't want people to say to me, Mike, what do you want? What do you, it was not about me. Yeah. 
So when that document came in its final form, to me, it was a reflection of the community. It wasn't what I wanted. It was what people told me we should work towards. And I would argue that anybody who wanted to be part of that could have been. And if you chose not to be, that was your choice. But then those decisions uh, that were made uh, should be uh, respected and followed through on. And uh, uh, now, I think there was there was some places where there was weakness in that. You know, the idea of how we've handled infill from the get-go has been poor. The uptake has been poor. I'm not sure that I can analyze it very, very well. But I think that was one of the weaknesses there. That, that those, those, we used to do a lot with um, Habitat for Humanity with, with single lots. And they, they scooped them up, put people yeah. in houses. And that worked really, really well. But we never got to that point where there was multifamily or something like that in some of those lots. So some success helped some people. I'm not sure all the reasons why it didn't work. Uh, one of the things that I noticed was how long it took from the time that the official community plan was passed. It was years before the zoning bylaw was finalized. And that yeah. was, you know, that was the policy instrument that implemented the design Regina in a lot of ways. And yeah. things like the intensification strategy, again, took years on top of that. Like, was that frustrating to see how slow the implementation was? Well, I think it was, it was, it was definitely frustrating. And for some of us, uh, it would be part of the learning process of how this has to go, because the provincial government has some say in all of these things. Right. And so you're constantly going back and forth to ask, you know, your, your big brother or something, can we do this now or how do we do this? So you, you have many, many masters there. So was it frustrating? Sure. But I, I, I kind of more um, resolve that. If we keep going down the path and all of these things are tied together, the end result should work. That's, that was my hope anyway. Yeah. Um, now that uh, some years have passed, uh, do you think that the design, the design Regina has held up over time? As, a, as I uh, live in retirement and have freedom, I do this thing called drive around the city once in a while. So yes. I look back at some places where they're, where something was built or it wasn't built. And I probably kind of constantly ask myself, you know, was that good or did that succeed or is it working now or that kind of thing? I probably spend a little bit more of my personal time doing the one-offs. You know, I'll give you an example that you'll be familiar with, 13th Avenue and Elphinstone Street. So I'll look at that oft, yeah. oft. And uh, and so I'm, I'm glad I made you smile because that was my intent, but... But there, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's the type of document that I could realistically say after these few years that you can evaluate it. Um, maybe one of the ways I'd say you can evaluate it is if it holds up to the test of scrutiny. Now, you mentioned parking earlier. Yep. Um, the amount of time that was that that development and other developments like it. Uh, lost to these parking discussions, like how much, how do we, how do we get the minimum parking for a development like that? And so you had to like bulldoze a house to get the parking requirements up. Um, yep. And then like the number of people who would come out and no matter how much parking was allotted to a new development, it was never enough for some people in the community. Um, I like, 
I, like I've always found that a little bit frustrating how much how much time at council is spent on parking. Uh, where's your thoughts on that? Oh. <laughs> I when I, when I walked away from council, I said I'll never talk about parking again in my life. Like that was that was the that was I, I wasn't prepared for how important parking was. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, I'll give you an upside story to that. There's a, a area on the west side called Westera, and out mm-hmm. in Westera, there's a very large rental development. And despite the fact there's no services, it's really in the middle of nowhere. That that series of buildings, three of them, so it would be approximately 240 units, was running at 97% capacity. And I th- always thought that was interesting. And the person who I talked to about this said, well, it's simple. They have a dog run and they have a dog bath station and they have a big field out back. So, right. so we're parking spills over onto the street it doesn't affect anybody but if you can look after your dog people will will go there so it so the story is just meant to say there are there are some interesting little things that work and and don't work but it doesn't matter about parking Um, developers were saying to me at the end we're over developing in terms of the parking spaces we could add a pool or play area or something if you just change that which made perfect sense but the problem was they were also charging for the second parking spot. So people were, part, you know, I mean, it, it, there, there's a interesting way of looking at that. But I will never forget that. 70% was all of the parking spots that were in use. Right. So there was room there for other things. I'm yeah. just not sure that we in, in the prairies are ready for, you know, not having a dually truck and a SUV and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Anyway. But the dog run, I mean, that's that's that complete community thing that if you oh. have the amenities there, people that's people don't maybe don't even know they want or need that. But when it's available, people, uh, you know, people find it appealing. So to my to the key point that I've always tried to make. So when I went out to look at this building and see the dog run, I saw the dogs. But I saw seven people standing talking to one another as the dogs played. Now they would live in seven different, uh, you know, apartments in there. So to me, that's a that's a big part about about this whole thing of whether you call it density or development. I don't care what words you want to use, but get people out to talk to one another, get to go know your neighbor, look after one another. Public safety falls from there but just general care and concern for one another. And, you know, as we sit at a pandemic, you and your house behind your screen and me and mine, I, I'm having a tough time not being able to, you know, go and visit with people and talk to people or whatever yeah. it is. So those things to me become even more important. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that I've noticed biking around uh, Harbor Landing, which, you know, is, is a fairly dense community, certainly the areas that I've, I've gone yeah. around uh, and it has a very well-designed uh, park system in there as well, is yep. that unlike some neighborhoods in Regina, I've noticed that the sidewalks there are well used by people walking. Yeah. And and Paul, I can only make your point by telling you where I live, I have a bike path right directly behind my home. And, uh, and it attaches to another bike path that goes all the way, all the way to the other side of the city. Anyway, my point is this. City's done a great job of keeping this clear. We have sometimes got mob scenes on this path, even in the wintertime, but definitely in the summertime. 
because also behind me, I have 350 rental units behind me. And so all those people get out of their place and come for a walk. Well, guess what? They wave and say hello to me. I see their kids learning to ride a bike. It's really a neat thing, that path system, which, you know, you could, well, uh, I'll again help you on this one. If you could take that same path system and put it on some front streets in a protected environment, that bikes would just be crazy, just crazy. But yeah. yeah. Um, one of the issues that's driving, uh, I think, some of the resistance to some of the big moves in the uh, design Regina are nimbyism. The, whenever there is an attempt to do an infill project, it is, and Elphinstone and 13th is a perfect example. Uh, yeah. The community comes out to oppose it. There's also, uh, it, it isn't just a parking question. Often there is this sense that if we're putting in um, clo more closely packed housing, that's going to bring in poorer people, like lower income people and renters. And that that alarms a lot of people. How do you how do you think the city should be addressing the concerns of that of the people who are alarmed by change? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I I'm going to probably end up citing you a couple of examples of things that I dealt with yeah. as a counselor in front of council. I, I'll do that, but. Um, um, Again, I ask, I ask this question. As a young fellow, did you start off by owning your home or did you start off in a rental situation? I rented for, it felt like forever. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I've thought about that many times because I think you're typical because so was I. I mean, mm -hmm. I was married and even had kids in an, an apartment for a while. By the way, it was, it yep. was good. We had, you know, I'm, I'm not complaining, but um, I wasn't a bad person because I was in a rental situation. Yeah. So how you tie that together, I'm not really sure. I also stuck by when we were doing, you may remember this, we were doing some condo conversions way back when. And um, there was a lady that, that talked to us and she had rented her apartment for 42 years and was and just didn't want to buy it. Always wanted to be able to dial and have someone come and fix Mm -hmm. And of course, it ended up that she was protected and kept her stuff. Anyway, my point is that not everybody wants to own. And so, okay, fine. And because you, because then you have more people in a, in a situation, is that bad? I, I'm not sure that I can draw that. The argument that's often made is that it lowers property values. Well, I looked into that. I can find no supporting evidence anywhere. In fact, address that with realtors and have had no proof of that. And I said to you, and I'm looking out my window at, at 350 rental units behind me, houses in my neighborhood sell in days. That has not affected their value yeah. uh, at all or, or their whatever. So um, uh, the, my first story is a simple one. Uh, the address was... Um, um, McCarthy Boulevard and Dudney, there was some uh, property there and they wanted to put some tall attached townhomes on there. And uh, some people in the neighborhood came out against it. And so I stood up in front of council and said, no, I, I agree with this. It's a good thing. What I found out later was that as they had been doing door knocking and so on, 
they weren't exactly telling the truth as to what was going to be developed here and so on and got people to sign a petition. So I signed, I went against the petition of 450 people because, because the policy and uh, what was best for my city meant that that should be built. Um, so the first part is you have to stand up and sometimes not go to the pressure. That's the first thing. And no city policy, no city administration can, uh, what should I say, help you on that one. You gotta, you have to stand up to it. Um, there were times when um, people came in and said, and you would have heard this, well, you know, this is a nice plan, just not in my neighborhood. So that, that you know, but they actually said that, you know. And so in the official community plan, to my knowledge, there is no neighborhood that says you can't have rental. I don't, I don't remember that language ever appearing. By the way, I don't remember that being ever discussed. And so um, to me, the first thing is the policy is equitable to all neighborhoods, even ones that are older, even ones that are brand new, even ones that have big houses. Mm-hmm. And the, the people that are in decision-making have to have the wherewithal to make those decisions. That's all. If Now, there is, there is an exception to that. If you want to stand up as a member of council and say, by the way, uh, and I'm going to pick on the cathedral just because that's you and me, there will be no more rental in cathedral. You can't do that. And we're going to put that in the official. Really? You're going to do that? Man, that, that would be a really interesting public discussion, wouldn't it? Yeah. So, so to me, it's about you got to have some, if your policy is good, stick with it. Have you been involved? Like now that, now that you're free of the shackles <laughs> of, of city council, um, are you going on to, uh, so the city has that online consultation website, Be Heard Regina, where you can like, you know, enter your thoughts and fill in uh, surveys about different projects that are being proposed. Are you doing that or are you staying active in the consultation process or are you just taking so, a break? Yeah, good question. So my, my plan always was when I walked away, I'd had my say 14 years was a long time. I think I need to just back off a little bit. Yeah. Some things just kind of interest me more than others. Yeah. And your, your call is one of those, this notion of density it's never left me. And I think my neighbors are tired of hearing from me about it. But but um, so the answer is, yeah, I'm going to be dialing in in the next day or two on a couple of things. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd like to do it anonymously, by the way, because I don't I don't know that I have any influence, but I I just want to be Joe Citizen and say, by the way, consider this or something. OK, so it, it started with this uh, housing density for market or density for market choice of housing uh, motion. Yeah. And then that was followed up with this intensification and growth strategy consultation. That is just, it is just a survey. Uh, did you, did you give it a try? I did not. I, yeah. I, it's but probably I for the best. It was a terrible survey. I kind of wanted to end with when this report comes back. And to my mind, it looks very much like there will be either density will be more will become more broad like there'll be more the 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 targets will be loosened okay. or the the uh high density will be focused strictly in the core of the city so uh cathedral core heritage and downtown yeah. Yeah. um 
What's your advice to council when this report comes back? How should they look at this? So we're, we're playing a little bit airy-fairy because when you don't have something kind of concrete in front of you. Yeah. Um, I guess if I wanted to take the positive side and say, okay, can you live with this? Like, can you actually now make your decisions based on this? And will you, you know, you know, be, you know, kind of to you and I put the nimbyism aside, be predictable, uh, go ahead and do this. And uh, everybody hold hands and sing Kumbaya. Can you do that? If that's the goal, then I would say I'll consider it a little bit more. If it's a slash and burn, then I would uh, obviously say you're not being respectful to the process or to the people. But I have a different fear, and I kind of alluded to it, and that is that you want to be exclusive in some neighborhoods uh, or some areas of the city. That, to me, is one of the goals that I worry about and wonder from some of the comments I read if that's really what it is. So, so I'll reverse kind of the words that you said. So, well, it's okay in cathedral. It's okay in heritage. It's just not so good out here in the East End. And that, to me, would be troublesome. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, because there are schools there, there are jobs there, there are, you know, there's all those things that there should be there. And by the way, I'd like to rent and live there, too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Is there anything that you wanted to mention that I I didn't get a question in for? Well, uh, no, I'll I'll say thanks because I haven't had these thoughts in my head for a while and haven't had this kind of conversation. So you, you rejuvenated me in my 70th year here to uh, to just now probably won't sleep well tonight. And uh, I'll I'll, I'll be reading something different than I normally would have because I wonder wonder what about that? So anyway, no, I've enjoyed this. It's been good. Oh, good. Do you want to do an outro? Sure. Yeah, why not? Okay. So that was Mike O'Donnell. Yes, sir, it was. <laughs> the retired councillor, Mike O'Donnell. <laughs> In discussion about the official community plan, I was expecting you to just go into your end of show spiel, so I'm a, I was a little caught off guard. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to provide some continuity. Uh, no. lots, you had lots of things to say. Good to hear. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for I doing guess... that. We can now call him Mike. We can. Yeah, we're all grown-ups. He's not a counselor. We can we can go back to using first names. Nice. Okay, Mike yeah. it is. Well, that, well thank you, Mike. Uh, I guess uh, we should move to adjourn. We should move. Okay, I second the motion. Motion is carried. This meeting is adjourned. You have been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM, CJTR, Regina Community Radio, tuned into the community. We're also uh, available on Queen City IB and, of course, CJTR cjtr.ca slash podcasts we're broadcast thursday evenings uh at 7 to 8 p.m and we broadcast monday afternoons 3 to 4 p.m uh yeah thanks to mike for the interview <laughs> mike uh, that's all keep on improving Regina. <laughs>